in your Bibles, our text will be 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 13, and we're going to go down through verse 21. So follow along, if you would, with me. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. And the Bible says this, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves again to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, forasmuch as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope might be in God. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, I come to you this morning and we are thankful for all that you've done and all the grace and the mercy that you've given us. Lord, I ask now your blessing on this reading. I ask your blessing on this message that you would bring us hope through it. Help us to see the hope that the resurrection has brought us and, and how it impacts our everyday life, Lord. So I ask now that you would do the work that only you can do and, and teach us and move us and strengthen us by your Holy Spirit and help me to be faithful to your word and to say only what needs to be said. I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we read the text, you might say, well, that's an odd one for Easter. That's like not the normal ones we go to. And I've preached the resurrection from different places. I've preached them from the Gospels as we read the account of what happened. I've, I've preached them from 1 Corinthians and what Paul talks about there in the 15th chapter. And this is a first for me. But may I say... I can open this old Bible to any place and preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that's what this book is all about. It's about Jesus. And I could preach from the promise in Genesis that Christ would crush the head of Satan. Or we could go to the book of Revelation and talk about His return when He comes to reign as King. It's all about Him and who He is, and what He has done. And all of this gives us hope. And I want to speak about hope this morning. It's kind of been a theme for the past several weeks. And I think we need to keep that in focus. And may I say, nothing brings greater hope than the resurrection. The fact that Jesus lives. So, let's see how it does, shall we? The first thing I'd like you to consider this morning is that hope is brought to us by His resurrection. Hope is brought to us by His resurrection. And as we look at this text for this morning, we need to remember the context, and that is in verse 3. So if you would, just look back a page or so and 
and see what we looked at last week. In verse 3, Peter writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's lifting his heart in praise and saying God is worthy of all praise because of His mercy, because He is giving us this living hope, and it is brought to us by the resurrection. He doesn't say the cross. Now, we'll get to the cross in just a minute, but the, the, the thing that Peter points to is the resurrection. That living hope is brought to us by the resurrection. The hope of eternity in heaven, the hope of eternal life and being with our Savior is brought to us by the resurrection. Now, let me just explain this if you don't know. Why do we make all this fuss about Jesus? Why is He so important to us? And why do we say the Bible is all about Him and we worship Him and we come to church and we sing about Him? And what's all this hope business? Well, let me tell you. Why is Jesus so special? He's not just a man. He is God. John tells us in his gospel in the first chapter, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That Word that he is speaking out about is God the Son, it is Christ. No, he's not some mere man, not some prophet who said some good things and did some good things, and did some amazing things. No, He is God come to us in the flesh. Born of a virgin like no one else has been nor ever will be, and He lived a sinless life. You know, the Bible says He was tempted in all points like us, but without sin. Do you know this morning He has faced what you are facing? He has been through what you are going through. He knows all of your pain and all of your anxieties and all of your fears. But where we fail in that, He did not. He was sinless because He is God. He lived a life just like you and me without sin. And He gave that sinless life as the sacrifice for sin on the cross of Calvary. Jesus came to die For you and for me. He took your place on that cross and He took the wrath of God that was meant for us for our sin. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death and wages we all must pay eternally. But Jesus paid the death we, excuse me, Jesus paid the debt we cannot with His death. And He paid for it with His own blood. His his precious blood is the atonement for sin. And as He died on that cross, salvation was secured for those who placed their faith in Him. Jesus died to save you, but listen, you've probably heard that. You've probably heard that many times and you're familiar with that story. But let me tell you this morning, that's not where the gospel stops. That's not the fullness of the message. That's just part of it. And as wonderful as it is, it gets better. You see, he was buried in a tomb for three days and three nights. He didn't pass out. He didn't go into some kind of coma, as some will say. No, 
He was dead and he was buried. The stone was rolled across and the stone was sealed and the tomb was guarded. But on that third day, something happened. No stone could hold him. No stone could seal him in. No guard could keep him. Death could have no victory over him. On that third day, the stone was rolled away, and my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb alive. He died and He came back to life. He is risen. The angels at the tomb said something beautiful as the women came to seek Him early that morning. They said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? (laughs) He is not here. He is risen just like He said. Jesus Himself says this in the book of Revelation, I am the first and the last. I am He that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of hell and death. That's the Gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the news that changes everything. That's the news that changes our eternity from hell to heaven because He lives. And may I say this morning, the power punch in it, the power that backs it, what seals it all is the resurrection. Salvation is secured because He lives. Not just because He died, but because He is alive. And Peter, as he writes this, points to that. You see, I think he remembers something. He was there. We read this and, and uh, we feel the emotion and we, we read the, uh, the writings of the Gospel writers of what happened, but Peter was there. He saw it with his own eyes. And the disciples who were there as they write other parts of the New Testament, they remember. They remember what it was like the day that Jesus died. The pain, the loss, the fear, the hopelessness. Seeing Him die and seeing Him being placed in the tomb, I I have no doubt they thought, well, He said He was the one. What happens now? It's all over. Probably some feelings you might even have in your own heart with what's going on. What happens now? What happens next? Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe family members have gotten sick. Maybe you've even lost some loved ones. And maybe you find yourself in a place of hopelessness. Peter remembers being there. And then he remembers the moment that everything changed. When he saw Jesus with his own eyes and he knew in his heart, he is alive. He is risen. He is not dead. He has the victory over death. That hope sprang anew in his heart and everything changed in an instant when he realized that. And you know what? This morning the same can be true for you. 
In fact, he would always point back to that in the sermons that we have recorded here in this letter that he writes. He points back, it's all because Jesus is alive. The hope is brought to us by the resurrection. And our hope rests in the resurrection. Notice, if you would, verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Listen, the hope that lives within us, the hope that brings us through things, the hope that has been brought to us has not been brought to us, nor has it been secured by earthly means. Listen, no money can buy salvation for you. You can give all of the money in the world, all of the money that you will ever make, and it won't be enough. We are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Nor are we redeemed by tradition. And that's a big one. Listen, my friends, you may have been taught some things. You may have grown up in some traditions, even if it has been passed on to you by loving family. But listen, if your parents told you and taught you that two plus two is five, it doesn't make it right now, does it? May I make it clear, tradition saves no one. Keeping the law saves no one. Mary does not save. A priest does not save. Baptism does not save. Church membership does not save. No pilgrimage nor amount of good deeds can save. I want to make it clear and stand before you and say that only the precious blood of Jesus can save us. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Look at what it says in verse 19. You were not redeemed with any of that, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. All of Scripture points to the cross. All of Scripture points to that blood that would be shed for our sins. It is like John says, John the Baptist, when he sees him, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That is Christ. And that blood that was shed on the cross was shed for you and for me. It's the blood that takes away our sins. By His death we can be cleansed. We can be forgiven of all our sins. We're all sinners. You know how you fail in your own life. I don't have to tell you. You know the ways that you don't worship God. You know the ways that you don't honor Him, that you don't obey His law as I do in my own life. We're sinners. And we need our sins forgiven. We can't work them away. We can't buy them away. We can't uh, uh, get rid of them because of tradition. No. It's only the precious blood of Christ that takes away our sins. And how does that happen? faith. Look in verse 21, the first part. Who by Him, by Christ, do believe in God. It's faith. You know, I, I, I could explain it many different ways and sometimes we can even really complicate it, but the simplicity of faith is, is, is uh, just trusting. It's like John 3.16. 
God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's simply trusting. Believing that He died for you and trusting Him to forgive your sin. There's no work involved. There's no getting right with God first. No. It's in your sin, in your messed up life, or wherever you might find yourself right now, it's simply trusting Him to save you, to, be, to take away your sin and to give to you eternal life. That's how our sins are removed, and that's why He came to die on the cross for our sins. And why believe on Him? Why not follow some other religion out there? Because there's a lot. Why Christianity? Why Jesus? Because the resurrection proves He is who He is. The resurrection proves everything. Notice the rest of verse 21. Who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Listen, we don't serve a dead prophet whose bones are in the ground. We don't follow after some dead set of rules. No, we follow, we believe, we serve a living Savior. One who has not only lived a perfect life, not only one that gave His life for us, but one that has defeated death and defeated sin. No one else can say that. Only Christ can. You see, those are our two mortal enemies. The two things we have no power over. You can't stop death. You can try, and you can be healthy. But the whole world has been put on hold for a microscopic virus that we can't see and that is claiming lives. And people are scared to die because they have no power over that. No one except Jesus. We have no power over death. We have no power over sin. You ever try to stop sinning? You ever try to be better on your own power? It doesn't work, does it? Because you just end up doing the same thing. But Jesus has defeated sin. He has the victory. And He has proven it by His resurrection. You'll notice there in the verse that it says, God raised him up from the dead. Now, the Bible uses two phrases, and I want to just touch on that quickly. Make no mistake, Jesus raised himself. In fact, he says so in John 10. He says, I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself, and I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. You understand what he's saying? I'm giving my life on the cross. In fact, the, the, the gospels say he gave up the ghost. He laid his life down. He had the power to lay it down, and he says, I have the power to take it up again. Jesus has the power over death. In John chapter 11, he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. I raise myself. And the Bible also says that God raised him from the dead. What does that mean? Well, first of all, Jesus is God, so pretty much the same thing. But think of it this way. The resurrection is, is God's amen to the cross. 
It's God saying, look, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. He is the one. He is the sacrifice that atones for sin. That's what verse uh, 20 means. The whole Bible points to Christ because He is the one who will take away our sins and will reconcile us back to God. He is the one that God accepts because He's the one that God sent and He proves it by the resurrection from the dead. You know, there's been a lot of people over the ages that have said they were the one. They're dead and they're buried. But my Jesus is alive. Because He is God come in the flesh. He is the one who is my Savior. And He is the one who is alive in victory over the things that I cannot control, the things that I cannot defeat, death and sin. He holds the victory. And all of that proves who He is. Without the resurrection, Jesus is just some other guy. He's just somebody who said some pretty amazing things and died like everyone else. Without the resurrection, He went to the cross for nothing. And we have no hope if we believe in Him. And all of the thousands that have died for this very message of the Scripture, they've died for nothing. And all the preachers that stand in a pulpit and and talk about our living Savior, well, we're all liars if the resurrection is not true. But He is risen this morning. Jesus is alive. And He has done what no one else could do or no one else can ever do. And so His words mean everything. They are life and they are truth to us. And the cross means everything for us. And the resurrection proves it all. Proved by the power of Jesus over sin and death. Proved by the witness of God, the Father Himself. That's why you need to believe in Jesus. Because He is the Savior. Not only did He give His life on that cross, but He proved it by raising again from the dead. That's why we follow Him. That's why we worship Him. He's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can save you. In fact, Peter says in one of his messages that salvation is not found in anyone else but Jesus. And may I say, it doesn't matter what you have done this morning. It doesn't matter how far you may stray away from God or how much of a mess you've made of your life. The Bible tells us that Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And His blood cleanses it from all sin, cleanses us from all sin, and the power of the resurrection proves it. Jesus has the power to save because He has the power over sin and death. You can look to the resurrection and be assured that Jesus can save you. And if you've trusted in Him for salvation you can be totally confident that your eternity is in heaven because Jesus rose from the dead and He is throned in glory as the triumphant King of kings. God raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, has exalted Him back to His position so that our faith and our hope might be in God. That is where my faith and my hope rest this morning. Not in a church, not in a person other than Christ, 
Not in man, not in my own ability. My hope rests in Jesus who is risen for me. Well, does yours this morning? Is your hope in stock market exchanges? Is your hope in your job and you find yourself sitting there in worry and fear of losing it? Is your hope in your health and you're doing everything that you can to protect it? Listen, those are important. I'm not saying they're not. But that's not where my hope rests this morning. My hope rests in my risen Savior who has the victory over everything and will bring me through in that same victory. And if you don't have that hope this morning, I want you to know that you can. And maybe you've made a mess of your life. Maybe you've royally screwed up. Whatever it might be, I beg of you, come to Jesus. He alone can save. He loves you so much that He died for you. And He is risen in victory and He wants to give that same victory to you this morning. You can be at peace. Even in this uncertain time, I tell you from experience, you can be at peace with a living hope within your heart. With a hope that doesn't rest in current circumstances or in uncertain times. No, your faith and your hope can be in God if you will come to Him and believe. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus in faith. You can do that today. And I pray that if you haven't, you would. <laughs> Maybe you know Him. Maybe you've been saved for a long time and you've, you've heard all of this before and you say, yeah, 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 that's fine and well. But that's for like far off, right? That's for like when I die. What about right now? What good does it do me now? We have a tendency to do that. We, we take these truths of Scripture and we, we kind of push them off and what, what does the resurrection have to do with what I'm going through right here and right now? Because it's really hard. And I feel shaken. I feel uncertain. What power does the resurrection have for me? What guidance does it have for me right here and right now? Let me say, much, my friend. Much. Not only is hope brought to us by the resurrection, not only does our hope rest in the resurrection, but lastly this morning, our hope endures because of the resurrection. Our hope endures because of the resurrection. Look in verse 13, if you would. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, not living how you used to, but as He which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or lifestyle. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Listen, there's much we could say here, but I think you get the sense. Hopefully you do. There's a call here. Verse 13, he says, wherefore, which is an old school, therefore. Every time you see that in Scripture, you need to figure out what it's there for. Why is he saying this? 
Well, he's saying it because of the living hope in verse 3 and 4 and 5 and all that he talks about there. The living hope that has been brought to us by the resurrection. The inheritance that waits, incorruptible, undefiled, that doesn't fade away. And the fact in verse 5 that we are kept by God through faith by His power unto that salvation. Because of all of this, that means something for us. Because of this hope, I want you to do this. You see, there's a call here. There's a reminder. Because we have that living hope, we can live in the power of that hope. We are called to live for Him. Paul says this in Philippians. He says, I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. There's a power His resurrection has on my life. You know, when you are saved, the Scripture talks about it as a birth. We are born again. We're made a new creation. All that sin is taken away, and we are given brand new life. You feel, you felt at that moment of salvation what the power of the resurrection is. To totally, completely change you to something else. To give you a hope that you never had before. And that power doesn't stop there. It continues continues to grow in us as we walk with the Lord and we realize that I can face some things I didn't used to face because He lives. And listen, here's here's where it hits my heart. And hopefully this will be helpful for you this morning. Here's Here's where I think the power of the resurrection comes in. Not only because He has the victory over sin and death and He wants to give me the same victory, but I find strength I find endurances. I find great hope in the promises that He's given. See, He promised He would die and rise again on the third day. He Himself said, destroy this temple, I'll raise it again in three days. And He's talking about His body. Destroy this body, I'll raise it up again in three days. And you know what? He did exactly that. Every promise He made about the resurrection, He kept And so you know what that means? Every single word He says is absolute truth. Every promise He made, hey, listen, you can take that to the bank, you can stake your eternity on it, because you know without a doubt He's going to keep it. If He kept the the promise that I will die and raise again, then every other promise He's going to keep. Promises like this. I am with you always even to the end of the world. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. You realize through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have Christ with us, Christ in us. He says, I'm going to teach you and I'm going to lead you. He says this, I go to prepare a place for you. And I am coming again that I might receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And that's just a few. But those are promises that shape the right here and right now. Do you understand, in the midst of this trial, He is with you. The God of all creation, the God who came to us, to take upon this flesh and to live and to suffer and to die 
and to rise again. He is with you through this. You are not alone. You may feel alone. But Jesus has promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us. And He proves that He keeps His promises by rising again from the dead. Maybe you need to stop and think about that. Jesus is with me. He is walking beside me. He is working in me. And He has broken the power of sin over me by His victory. So I don't have to live in bondage to fear anymore. I don't have to live in bondage to hopelessness or anxiety or whatever it may be. Jesus has broken the power of sin, loosed the chains of death on you by His resurrection. Are you living like that? Am I living like that? Are you living in the promise that you go to Him someday? that we are looking for Him to return, but also to know that if my eyes do close in death before that happens, that I open them in the presence of my Lord and my Savior. Does that have any bear on your life? It should. I mean, think about it. When you're going on a big vacation or you're going to someplace special, don't you think about it? Don't you talk about it? Don't you make preparations for it and you're living each day waiting for that to happen? Well, that's so much more with the coming of Christ and so much more with finally seeing Him. I know someday I'll see Jesus because He saved me, because He keeps me, and He has given me an inheritance that is incorruptible and waiting for me. You better believe that impacts my life right now. Even through hard times, that hope burns within me. I hope you realize that this morning. You can have power over the sin that drags you down through Him. You can have victory over the doubt and fear and the the lust and the desires that drag your heart away through Him as He works in your heart and changes your heart by the Holy Spirit. You can have new life in Him and you can know the power of His resurrection. You can have that same victory because He's already won it. Maybe you need to um, consider your battles that way. They're not really a battle. Jesus has already won. And if we would place our faith in Him and stick close to Him, we would have that same victory. But you have to trust Him. You have to follow Him. Not yourself. You know how much you let yourself down. You know how much other people let you down. Jesus doesn't do that. He lives in victory over all of that. And He wants to give you that same living hope. Hope that endures. I can face hardship and pain and loss and pandemics because I know that Jesus is with me and He is guiding me and protecting me. Notice quickly as we finish up some other things that Peter says. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, I don't have time to explain that, but basically saying, hey, get ready. Buckle up, buttercup. Some hard times are coming. How do, you, how do you say that? Especially to who he's writing to. People that are Christians that are facing terrible persecution. Some of these people that read this are probably going to die. And he's telling them, hey, get ready. You only say that if you have that living hope. <laughs> you know what he's telling them? Let the resurrection strengthen you. Let the fact that Jesus is alive and has brought to us this living hope 
Let that strengthen you. Let that keep you. Be sober about it. That's what he says there. And that word doesn't mean to be serious. It means to abstain from wine. It means to be clear-headed. <laughs> we probably need that a lot right now. There's a lot of stuff out there to fill your mind with fear and doubt and worry. And all that stuff, Do even if you're just wanting to see the specs and you're just wanting to hear the news and you're just wanting to see this latest post and that latest post, be very careful because what that will do is begin to get in the way and cloud the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead and He has given us hope eternal. It will take your focus off of what is coming to other things. And Peter's saying, get back on track. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be strengthened by the truth of heaven. Strengthened by the truth of the love of God. Of His power that keeps you. Be clear-headed about it. And what? Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you under the revelation of Jesus Christ. Keep your hope strong, whatever may come. You don't do that for dead prophets. You don't do that for dead religion. You do that for a living Savior and the living hope that He has given us because you know the grace that is coming. Well, listen, God gives us grace right now. By grace you are saved through faith. But there is greater grace coming. And this is one promise I want to make clear to you. One perhaps, at least for me, brings the brightest hope and one that the resurrection secures for all who have faith in Him. Our own resurrection. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That is speaking of the return of Christ. That trumpet will sound, the sky will split, and my living Savior will come back. And at that moment, something happens. We shall be changed. This corruptible, this body that fails and gets sick and dies, this corruptible must put on incorruption. A brand new glorified body. One that is not affected by sin. One that does not fail. One that is like Christ. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. And when that happens, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Listen, for the child of God, death holds no sting. The grave holds no victory. It's just the way home. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Christ has defeated and fulfilled those. Listen to what Paul says. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a promise that is waiting final victory over sin, a final victory over death. We ourselves will be resurrected to be with Him forever. He says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's coming a day when Christ will return as King, and on that day, 
we will be glorified. The dead in Christ will rise alive again. And those who are living will be changed. No more death, no more pain, no more failing. Finally, we'll be with Him. That's a promise He's given us. And beloved, that's a promise He's going to keep. How do I know that? Because He lives. Because He lives. I don't know about you, but that sounds amazing to me this morning. That's a hope that burns within my own heart to finally be with Him. And that sustains us. Even though our own, my, our own body might get sick and fail, I know there's a better one coming. I know that even if I might face hunger and pain and death itself, I go to be with Him. And so I live in light of that. I live in the power of the resurrection, doing my best to be obedient and holy as the rest of the passage says we don't have time for, to be holy and to try to be righteous as He works in me and and gets the the sin out and, and helps me to be more like Him, whatever circumstance I might face. Let me just bring this last point out. If you would notice verse 17. And if you call on the Father, if we're praying to Him and worshiping Him and calling on Him, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, in reverence, in obedience. You see, there's coming a day when we will stand before Jesus, when we must answer to our living Savior for all that we've done in this life. First and foremost, we will answer to whether or not we have trusted Him as Savior, and if we have, have we lived our lives for Him, obedient to the instructions that He gives? And so in light of that, I want to live my life for Him, knowing I will stand before Him. I want to live the best I can. I want to let Him make me holy and right. I want to know the power of the resurrection, the victory over sin, the victory over death. I want to know that alive and vibrant in my life. I don't want to resist. I don't want to turn my back on the one who's died and rose again for me. Not to serve myself. No, I serve Him. My living Savior who is giving me a living hope. Hope that is brought by, hope that rests in, and hope that endures because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And all I can simply end with is this. Do you have this hope today? Is that hope within your heart? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Or is life a mess? Only you can answer that. I can't answer that for you. You know in your own heart where you stand with Christ. And let me just say, you can have this hope today. Christ died for you and He is risen in victory. He is alive And He makes clear through His Word He wants to save you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to ask forgiveness of your sins and turn to Him so that He can remove the judgment, He can remove the the deadness of sin, and He can give you eternal life in Him. And He can give to you that living hope. That hope that is unshakable, that peace that is unshakable, 
if you would believe. My, my friends, this is not a dead hope. I'm not standing up here and just spewing some nice things for an Easter Sunday. No. This hope burns within me. And it's not a hope that's distant or far off. It's the hope that has placed solid ground under my feet. My Savior lives. He has died for me and He lives. And He is with me. And He is helping me through this and whatever else may come. And guiding me, drawing me home. And I might go through hard times, but you know what? It will be worth it all. He is coming for me, and I will finally stand before Him and be with Him forever. You can have that hope this morning if you would simply trust Him. Place your faith in Him. And then live for Him. Right now, I live for that. I I live to tell others. I I want to be found faithful for Him. I want Him to be seen in me. There's an old song we like to sing around here. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future, life is worth the living just because He lives. Can you say that this morning? If not, you can. You can be saved right there in your home. You know, I wasn't saved at church. I was saved at home. The message was preached and the Spirit drew my heart and let me know that I needed a Savior. And you know what? I bowed in the, in the foot of my, my parents' bed in their bedroom and I asked the Lord to save me. It doesn't matter where you're at. If the Word has touched your heart this morning, I pray that you would bow before Him, ask forgiveness, and be saved. And Christian, you can be strengthened this morning. You might feel today like the disciples did on the day that he was crucified, hopeless and downcast, confused. But as the old preacher said so long ago, hold on, Sunday's coming. <laughs> we have hope because we serve a living Savior who walks with us and nothing can separate us from him. So take, take heart in that. And face this struggle knowing who has your back, your risen, living Savior is walking through. So, I pray that the message has been helpful. Let's close in prayer, and then I just want to ask you, I'll give you a couple closing comments. Father, I thank you for this day. I pray this message has been helpful. Lord, if there be any that has been convicted by this message and they don't have that living hope within their hearts, Lord, I pray that you would even now show them Christ crucified for their sins and risen in victory, and that they would trust Him before it's eternally too late. And Lord, those of us who know you, give us strength, Let us live in the power of that resurrection so that we might know you more fully. I ask your blessing on this message. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.